Hi there, this is Jim, the Keys Bartender. If you're not familiar with the Keys Bartender podcast, it's a podcast about bartending and life in general. Uh, I am bar- podcasting from the beautiful Florida Keys. It's uh, midsummer here. I'm not even going to talk about the heat because I get, everyone's going through this right now. And if you, you're not a believer in climate change, well... I guess you're just scratching your head. Why is it, it seems, that it gets warmer each year? You know? Every year they set a new record. It seems like it's getting warmer. Yeah, well, okay, well, be, for, for those of you that don't believe in climate change and stuff like that, keep on scratching your heads and, and cranking your AC up. I, on the other hand, I realize with the uh, warming trends going on, that what I do is I just raise my toleration. I'm in the Keys. It doesn't get much more over like 93, 94 with the humidity. I'm sure it's whatever they do with it is like 107 or 110. It's always humid down here. We're surrounded by water for God's sakes. Not a lot of wind, not a lot of breeze. So it's super hot. But... It's still paradise, and uh, I'm not here to talk about climate change and things like that. I'm here about talking about bars and stuff like that. One of the things I wanted to start talking about was people like to do stuff when they're in a bar. That is no news to you. But, I mean, there's a lot of activities that take place at certain bars, and not so much in restaurant bars, right? It's just mainly conversation, music, and things like that. But in general bars, you got the pool, darts, pinball, shuffleboard, video games, basketball throws. You know, if you're in kind of like the popularity of Dave and Buster's. I love going to Dave and Buster's. Even though I, I don't partake anymore, I really do enjoy it. And I don't think you need to drink in order to enjoy those games because they were popular without the booze. And uh, I used to be a a fan of, I used to, well, a lot of, play a lot of pool. I like pinball and darts and shuffleboard. Shuffleboard's fun. So it's interesting when you see these people drawn to it in the games and stuff like that. And they, you know, they actually think, you know, I, I remember I was president of my president. I was the captain of my dart league team and we traveled to the different bars and taverns in Philly and outside of Philly and uh, we you know a couple of the people they were under the uh, impression that once they had a couple drinks in them they would be better uh, skilled at throwing darts and we played both traditional darts and electronic darts electronic darts have the plastic tips and you throw on a board and it registers the points using a, a computer. It's a fun game. And then you had the traditional darts where you had to do the math yourself with that. You play like 801, 301, where you have to go out the exact number with the same amount of points. And a lot of the uh, players used to insist and go, listen, I'm a better player after a couple of drinks. Some people suggests that they're a better player after a lot of drinks, which 
was not the case, was not the case. And that was not the, my case, and that was a lot of the other cases. The best shooting that was done was before halftime, let's say, before we took our break in uh, league, league play. And usually towards the end, you start seeing a deterioration of skill. It's just that's what happens. It's just one of those things. It's hard to avoid. Some people may assist, they're better. And we always, they show it in movies. Someone's been drinking, oh, so take a dart. And they, no, it's, they are not better. They're not, hard, hardly you are not better at anything other than falling down, getting sick, making inappropriate comments. Uh, I saw someone hit a bullseye, though, after having five shots and 13 beers. But the bullseye was on a, a wild turkey bottle with a metal dart. That was good. That guy really fired it away right there and uh, hit, hit it right on the turkey. And it's just one of those things. Well, I am not a frequenter of pubs, taverns, and bars anymore. I've been in them, but I really don't head to the actually bars are just for you know when I'm talking about a bar or a tavern it's mainly for drinking you can eat in a tavern but I I don't go that often but when you go to the um, places where games are really important even horseshoes uh, now the real the thing is hatchet throwing they get these stalls and you get the basketball throws you know they have the stalls because you can't just have it open I mean, I'm sure there's places out there with a half court. There's bars with a half court where people play and stuff like that. I don't know of them, but most of them have stalls and things like that. And same thing goes for hatchets. And I, I did a little research. It's, it's getting to be a real, I guess, a significant pastime. Because they've been doing uh, axe throwing for years and years and years with Lumberjack, competitive lumberjack competitions. And they throw axes. And then it just got to be one of those things to throw a hatchet. And then realize, someone realizes, hey, this is something we could set up in a stall. Now, that must have been a really interesting selling the first time, going to a bar owner or a tavern owner and say, listen, uh, I have a new game for you. It's a stall. It's not going to take you a lot of electronics or anything it'll be uh, mainly wood you'll be just using mainly wood or or cork or whatever they use for the board and oh they go oh yeah and you'll have hatchets and they go what you're wanting you want to give my patrons hatchets to throw them and say yeah it's really popular in these other places you know you get i guess it's one of those things where you can say well this other place does it, and they get a lot of people. And I always was reluctant, if you're thinking about, think about with pool, playing pool in a bar. Give someone a stick and some alcohol, and if they get angry, the pool cue becomes, what does a pool cue become? A, we a weapon. Now, a hatchet is a weapon already. It doesn't become a weapon. It's a weapon being used in a nonviolent way, meaning throwing it into a court. Now, 
if you take a hatchet and throw it at someone using a hatchet the way, one of the ways it was intended. So most hatchets are used for splitting up like firewood and kindling and things like that, right? But a hatchet going way back is a, is a weapon of, of its own. And if you start throwing hatchets, you're going to have someone that says, well, I have a knife too. I can throw a knife. And I'm sure when they said done in the most proper way and safe way, hatchet throwing is extremely safe. So is everything when you do anything the proper way. But when you add alcohol to any kind of system, and when I'm talking system, I'm not talking about humans. I'm talking about if you're planning out the, a process of doing something and saying, well, not only we're we going to be doing this by the process and safely, we're going to be drinking alcohol where we're doing it. Almost anything doesn't get safer when, when alcohol is around. That's why air traffic controllers, surgeons, pilots, um, you know, just think about it. They don't want them drinking while they're doing it. And yes, I do understand where people say, oh, I'm actually better after a couple of drinks. Yeah, if you have the shakes and stuff like that because you have the delirious tremors, tremors, you know, withdrawal symptoms from alcohol, you need alcohol in order to stop shaking, then that would probably make you more accurate. But after a certain amount of intake, your, your judgment, your coordination, your higher brain functions just plummet after, let's say, once you get a couple ounces over your processing of alcohol. Once you have that, you know, once you have more than one ounce and start building up and start building up that excess alcohol, your, your accuracy, your general muscle coordination it just goes down. So I was always amazed by that. And I'm thinking, why would hatchet throwing get one of those things that sparks someone's imagination? Say, boy, that would be good. But you know what? It'd be good in a bar setting. Right? And then they think, well, I'm sure to someone say this crossbows. How, how about a handgun? How about a target range for in a bar? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's probably against the law in most states to have alcohol and firearms in there at the same time, so they probably wouldn't be able to do it. But I don't know about the crossbow or bow and arrow or a spear or a knife, any type of throwing. Just think about how people have used items that aren't darts. How many people have gotten aren't darts, aren't, um, that aren't weapons? You bring a weapon in a bar, an item that's primarily used as a weapon, and you're surprised that it's used as a weapon. Well, how about things that aren't used as a weapon? I mean, I've heard of people being hit with these little quates. Their quates are little metal uh, shots they use for a shuffleboard. They're solid metal, and you can smack someone. A cue ball. I've heard people get uh, hit in the head with a cue ball. Pull a cue. I haven't seen anybody get shot with the rack. That would be, I mean, shot with the rack. You just put it against around someone's head and kind of drag them around with that. But almost anything you use can be turned into a weapon. You know, a bottle, 
a can. A can could be toenail. We can tear it. You can make it sharp and stuff like that. But give something you can throw. Incredible. Incredible. And uh, when you read the description of it, it says, oh, can you get hurt? There was a question on the internet. I was doing a little research. It says, can you get hurt while hatchet throwing? And then they have to describe, well, a hatchet can cause massive trauma to parts of your body and head. (laughs) Oh, massive trauma and hatchet to the head? Yes. I'd have to quote that again. Massive trauma. (laughs) So eventually... Yeah, people, people will think about really good, good ideas to do. Why not doing chainsaw ice sculptures in a bar? You know? There's the uh, electronic bull. That, that was one of the things. Say, hey, listen. You know what they need in this bar? We need a mechanical machine that we can set the limits on. But... If we set it all the way up, it could throw you against the ceiling and crush every bone in your body as it simulates a bull ride. You know, it goes nice and slow and then it gets up and goes and it jerks you around and stuff like that. Well, why be surprised now? People say, you, you actually let that go? I can't imagine you're being an insurance agent and go, well, um... I understand you need to get some more liability in your bar. Let me take a look and see what we have here. Take a look at your bar, see how, you know, how we can raise that liability for you. Oh, I see you have some hatchet throwing. I see you have electric ball riding. I see you have uh, crossbow targets. Uh, we, we will not insure you at all. Matter of fact, we would like to... Uh, you know, there's got to be a way. If someone's insuring something, you could probably insure against that. It'd be safe. You can insure anything. You can insure anything. You can insure um, a, uh, you know, they do it for uh, uh, any type of merchant transaction. You can, you can create, create a policy. Or you can create what's called risk. Do a risk assessment. Assessment, and you go into a place that has maybe fifty cent shot night, and they have hatchet throwing um, pools, maybe a slip and slide with glass on either side. That'd be a good one. A slip and slide inside a bar with spikes on the outside of the slip and slide on either left or right. So you got to slip down the center. So you don't want to hit the spikes. There's all certain things like that. I just don't get it. And I said, why do people, why is this trend? Well, I think it's the basis, uh, the basis of human instincts, especially for men. And used to be, I guess um, years ago, depending on someone's job, you pretty much didn't have to show that you were manly because you were maybe you you worked in uh, you were an iron worker and you put together skyscrapers and you climbed the tall girders or you're a carpenter or a police officer or a cowboy 
They knew you did manly things. They knew that you roped cattle. They knew you walked on the high steel. They knew that, you know, as a police officer, you, you were, you know, collaring tough criminals. But nowadays, you have a, con- a bunch of lawyers, accountants, maybe people in the medical field, and they have to display their manliness some way. And it's not going to happen by answering the entertainment trivia questions or showing someone they can use that dance, the video machine where you have to go and do the dance steps or play the guitar. I guess some people think playing the guitar is manly. And it is is a skill. It is a skill. Um, I'm I'm talking about my guitar hero. But these other ones, hatchet throwing... You're displaying your prowess as a male. And women are picking up on that, and they're doing it too. They like hatchet throwing. They do hatchet throwing, even though it's, you know, if you told someone 30 years ago, this is the plan. We're going to feed someone a lot of drinks, and then we're going to offer them a hatchet to throw. If you take that all out, you don't know of anything else that was going on, like the bull riding, that bull riding, uh, the electric bull was uh, Urban Cowboy, I think. It was in 1980, John Travolta, Deborah Winger. And that's when people first started with the indoor electronic bull riding. If you, so 40-something years ago, you said... Oh, yeah, hatchets, indoor bull riding and stuff like that. And people go, you're insane. You're insane. There's no way a business owner would allow that stuff to go on inside their, inside their establishment. But no, they do. And people do it all around. I mean, here in the Keys, uh, I remember when I first moved down here about 14, 15 years ago. There was a, a gentleman that decided he did all the research on, on how to set this up, but he set up a gun range. He set up a gun range behind his house. And the keys, you got to remember the keys, almost even the biggest properties have neighbors right next to them, even the biggest property. But most of the houses are right on top of each other because there's not a lot of land. There's 43 islands in the keys, but they're very narrow, small uh, we don't have a high elevation, so everyone's kind of crammed together. The elevation has nothing to do with us being crammed together. But, you know, with a gun range, if it's not facing over the water, right? And that in itself is dangerous because you got people on boats and stuff like that going behind it in the water. The, the persons who set up the target range so he could fire in the back of his house put a big earthen berm behind his house at the end in front of the target so ostensibly when he fires and missed it would go into the earthen berm but it it only went up to a certain height and I don't think it was that high at all and there was a neighbor uh, uh, it faced the back back of the target range was uh, abutting the canal and on the other side of the canal there was another property. And these canals are not big. These canals are, I don't know how wide. 
a canal. I think it's maybe 30 feet. If I'm not, yeah, the canals are about maybe, yeah, about 30 feet, maybe a little less. So, you know, a bullet can traverse that distance like that. So the guy set it up and the sheriff of the county did not like it one bit, but there was no law. The guy did almost everything right the way he set it up. And the only thing they can probably get him on was noise violations. And, you know, you can see that Florida is big on their guns because just on July 1st, this past July 1st, they, there's a new amendment to the state constitution where you're allowed, without permit, to carry a weapon, a concealed weapon, a concealed handgun. I think it's a concealed firearm, so I guess you could have a sawed-off shotgun if you want, if it's concealed. Right? So, we've been treading that fine line for a long time here in Florida. And this is July 1st. So now, as of a, a week and a half ago, you know, anybody, as long as you're fit all the requirements to have a handgun, which is not to be a felon, and to be, uh, I think, 18. I have to double check that because I'm way past 18. So a state that would allow anyone who doesn't have a, uh, it's not a felon, to conceal a weapon without a permit, they would have certainly no problem with throwing hatchets in a bar. And I mentioned that at my bar to someone. I said, hey, listen, we're thinking about putting a hatchet throwing uh, concession here. And the person goes, oh, really? That's a great idea. I said, you think that's a really good idea? Where where are we going to put it? Where are we going to put it? Well, I guess you could put it right here. Or right next to that table, that six top, a foot to the right of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess we could do that. That would be very irresponsible. I guess that would be when we put in our little flamethrower game. So, yeah, it's just, if, if, you, if the aliens landed and then we were going to be judged to join a big, let's say, alien consortium of like-minded higher species... And it came down to do an evaluation, a secret evaluation, a secret shopper evaluation of Earth. And they went into a couple bars and saw the hatchet throwing and the electronic bowl. Pool cues, darts, this, that, and people consuming uh, alcohol before that. They'll just go, oh, these people are outrageous. We got to keep them in the cage. That's just my point of view. I understand you might have a different one. I say, well, people should be allowed to do whatever they want. They should be, you know, who, you know what? They may be able, someday they may have a little like a mini hand grenade throwing thing where you just throw a hand grenade, but it's not the same as a regular hand grenade. It's just, it doesn't blow up as in a, in a bigger, bigger radius. You don't get as much shrapnel going at the, oh, okay, then that's safer indoors. 
and then you got fireworks and stuff like that. People saying, "Well, it's kind of like a Roman candle, but you put it in, you put it in a birthday cake, you use it indoors." Oh, that's a good idea. No, it's not a good idea. Okay, let's wrap that up. Okay. Lastly, I've been watching this show called on Netflix, and I talked about TV last time, but it's not about the TV show. Uh, I'm not going to talk about this. I'll just mention the TV show. It's called Black Mirror. It's kind of like. I guess it would be not like Night Gallery or Twilight Zone. For if you're a fan of the, it's in the uh, 60s and the 70s TV show called The Twilight Zone. Well, Black Mirror on Netflix, it's an excellent show. And it's primarily British, but they have American actors in it. And every so often they're set in America. The shows are set in America. But you can still tell there's English people, English actors. And it's something about, even when they're playing, doing the uh, American accent, it's just really interesting when you see it, that there's some cultural differences that I noticed. And one of the big one was, in the United Kingdom, the shows don't give a shit about the characters being black or white. There could be a black character, you end up marrying a white character, bubble or she or he, and stuff like that. They're just, they don't make a big deal about it. I'm not saying there's no racism in the United Kingdom. They just don't make uh, a deal, a big deal about it. Even though they do acknowledge it in the United Kingdom, it's probably not as far up the list as it is here as it is here because here there is even when we try not to the TV shows really don't reflect that kind of um, attitude you know let bygones be bygones they did do it for a while with gay and, and, and transgendered and things like that but it seems like we kind of backslid here in the United States where you can tell I can tell when the production was originally made in the United States. There's always an edge to it. Meaning that there's concerns about how people are betrayed, whether, you know, the characters, you're going to make the characters all out villains or are the good guys. And you have to, you know, but in the United Kingdom, it just seems like that's an actor, put them in, that's who they're going to play. I don't care. I kind of like that. I really do. I like that idea when you just say, hey, listen, we don't care. If you've got an Asian guy, put him in. Don't think of him as Asian. He looks, yeah, he looks a little Asian. But don't be surprised if he has an Irish accent. I I think it's, I'm not talking about ignoring cultural differences but I'm not I'm talking about building them up when they're not necessary to the story and they started we we did start doing that recently and things like that when you see plays and they just throwing characters in it so well this doesn't make any sense America always has a problem with that when when there's a you go to a mall and there's a black Santa Claus there's a group of white people saying well Santa Claus is black 
Well, first of all, Santa Claus isn't a person. It's made up. And if I ruined that for you, you know, that's sad for multiple reasons. It's sad for multiple reasons. And if you're very young, you should not be listening to this and stuff like that. But yeah, first of all, there's it's make-believe. And it really doesn't matter if Santa Claus is Asian or African or, let's say, from Australia, maybe Aborigine or Native American. It doesn't really matter who Santa is. Santa's more of a, an idea. Same thing goes for, you know, almost anybody. When they personify God, Jesus, this, that. Oh, that's a real, you know, when they don't have real pictures of it, when you don't have photographs of people. There's a funny meme on uh, one of my social media feeds, and it's a picture of uh, Leonardo da Vinci. I mean, it's depicting Leonardo da Vinci and Mona Lisa. And it says, oh, a photograph taken in 1564. Now, that's funny for several reasons. And most people, I guess, and almost everyone, I have to say this, everyone that listens to this podcast will know 1564, there were no photographs taken in 1564. Photographs, they didn't start messing with photographs until the 1800s, the 19th century. The 1800s is the 19th century. That's where you're, just where you're at. And they didn't really start perfecting it until the later part of the 1800s. So there is no photograph of the original Mona Lisa and Leonardo da Vinci. But I'm sure there's people looking at it because they got them in black and white and they have they kind of look like the people they're referring to, Leonardo da Vinci and Mona Lisa, that they could be them, where someone's thinking, wow, they don't look that differently. See, that's, that's made up too. And some people will believe it and they believe all sorts of things. All sorts of things. And these cultural differences that they, I really, I, I really don't, I understand there could be cultural differences first. But I truly believe that most people experience life in a very basic and common way. When they say common, something shared common experiences, life, death, joy, ecstasy, hatred, fear, violence, hunger, yearning, all those human experiences are the same or or, or, or they vary differently from people, person to person. Not so much a, uh, it's not a cultural aspect. Now, the way you're supposed to experience death, uh, birth, coming of age, they could vary culturally, yes. But those personal experiences, I, I'd say they're more, so much more in common than they are uh, separate. 
And then people are more different individually than they are in groups. And every group, you, we have this thing where we, uh, when you look at something culturally, you may think of all Mexican Americans as being like this. All African Americans are being like that. All white Americans are being like this. No, there's a common experience that they go through when they're driving down the road, when they're eating, when they're talking to their friend. There is a common experience. And it's an individual experience that they process it. Now, it could be they could be influenced by cultural perceptions. Now, that's perceptions. But that's, that's artificial. The real experience is the one that you are going through yourself. It's not cultural. And you take the culture out of it. It's a whole hard concept, a higher concept of thing. So, so someone getting married, going on a date, going, you, you can have these cultural things hanging over your head, like, oh my God, I shouldn't, I'm dating outside my group. I'm talking to someone outside my group. We're not the same, blah, 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 blah. Well, rest assured, a lot of times, you know, when you're talking to someone, you're dating someone, or you're interested in someone, you share so much more than you, uh, than you think, when you think they're different. And when you think you're alike, you can have someone who looks exactly like you, who experiences, if they went through the same thing you did, would experience it differently. Experience this, whatever, the, um, humor, sadness, loneliness, hunger. They experience it their own way. Almost everyone experiences hunger the same way, though, let's say. Or not breathing, or fear. Well, maybe not fear so much. But, as I said before, so, what this whole thing I was talking about, culture, I wanted to bring it around. It's like, so when you're talking to someone, when they're coming in, if you can see the person before you can see whatever you were told about that group that you think they're members of. You can have a, I can have a black guy walk into the bar, blah, 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 and I'm going to hear some, I'm, you know, in my head, I'm going to be thinking I'm going to hear something else. And all of a sudden, the guy starts talking, and he's from London. He sounds like he just walked off Masterpiece Theater. Right? I had an expectation. And he did not fulfill that expectation. It's best just to let him experience it at that time. And that's what I've been, I, I think that's a habit I've been broken of before because I've been thinking about it. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? I really don't know what this person's like. I have no idea. I have no idea when they come walking in and sit down what they're like. I, and you know what? That mystery remains even if I spoke to them for about an hour sometimes. There's still a lot of mystery left in there, but I do realize that after talking to people that the supposed differences aren't, aren't there. Obviously, and uh, you're always, if you've listened to an uh, uh, avid listener of podcast, I believe uh, race is the uh, psychological construct or sociological construct it has no basis in science and people go well you can just tell by looking at him I said that's a characteristic that's like a difference between a person with blonde hair 
and black hair or blue eyes and green eyes or brown, short, tall, heavy, thin, uh, knock-kneed, bow-legged, left-handed, right-handed. That's the way I view it. It's a characteristic of that person. And yes, the group shares it, but we had some reason we have to feel the need to set up a cultural, you know, a cultural difference. And yes, there are cultural differences where people grow up and stuff like that. But just remember, you could be a white kid growing up in a black neighborhood and you could sound exactly like them and gone through the same experience that them in that neighborhood. It doesn't make you black. It doesn't make you white. It just makes you the way you are. So just the way you are is the way you are. It has nothing to do with it. I know it's a, it's a, it's a hard concept and I'm trying to, I'm trying to break free of this thing where I'm having an expectation before I investigate. Well, that's it for today. I'd like to thank you for listening. This is Jim the Keys Bartender. You have a great day. And I'll talk to you later. Bye.